So today we're going to be talking about Daniel the lion's tamer. Now, if you're like me, you, at the moment you hear the word Daniel, you go ahead and you finish this sentence, Daniel and the lion's den. You can't even help it. It goes synonymous. Now, I'm saying that. Here's one thing I want to go ahead and explain to you. Daniel was known for a whole lot more than just the lion's den moment. Daniel did a whole lot of other things in Scripture. There is a whole book of the Bible named after Daniel. We know that Daniel did so much. He saw so much. He was a part of much. But his claim to fame is a lion's den. Now, here's what I want to do, though, for a minute. We're going to be talking about what led Daniel to the lion's den, the setup. I think all too often we focus too much on the lion's den and not what got Daniel there. Today we're going to be talking about integrity. I think this is something that is critical. And here's the thing. I think that all too often with Christians, we do not pay as much attention to our integrity as we should. And I think often with our integrity, we think it's in a whole lot of a better shape than what it really is. And so today we are going to do a checkup on our integrity as Christians, our integrity as family members, our integrity as employees. Now, like I said before, Daniel was the lion's tamer. Daniel had this incredible moment. And see, one thing that I learned about old school lion tamers, if you guys remember from the movies, and maybe you guys even saw this in the circus, when a lion's tamer would get into the den with the lions, he would lock the door behind him. What was often what he would bring? He would bring in a chair or a stool. Now, that seems like one of the weirdest things to bring. And he would hold it up so that the four legs faced the animal. Now, that seems just strange because it seems like you would bring something that might be a little bit more effective, like a sword or a spear or one of those little shocky things that you guys use on cattle. But here's what he does. He doesn't show up with that. They show up with these chairs. And I finally figured out why. Somebody told me once, and you can research this a little bit, is that the reason why they bring in a chair is because the lion gets fascinated with the four legs of the chair. And he cannot multitask, but he tries to. And so often a lion is left stunned because it doesn't know which of the legs to attack. There's too many options. And so often it renders him still and confused as he's trying to figure out how to handle four opponents at once. Now, saying that today, we have one opponent. We are going to attack. We are going to identify the importance of our own integrity as we study Daniel chapter 6. See, the word integrity comes from the Latin word, which means wholeness or completeness. completeness. And I believe a person with integrity could be viewed as complete. A person with integrity is somebody that is living a life above reproach. The person that do what is right when nobody else is watching. God made Adam and Eve in the garden complete and whole because they had integrity, but it didn't take them long to lose that integrity. And then we see the fall. They thought God wasn't watching. They thought they were alone. They thought that they could get away with it. Their integrity was flawed and the fall came shortly after. I heard a story once about an operating room nurse. It was her first surgical procedure. And as the doctor was about to complete the procedure, she said, doctor, you have removed 11 sponges and we use 12. Have you guys heard about this? Like doctors leaving things inside of patients? Terrifying. 
The doctor said, no, I've removed them all. She says, no, we haven't. We use 12. We only have 11. He tells her to close the incision. He says, I'll take responsibility for it. Close the incision. Let's talk no more about it. But she says, I cannot do that. Think of the patient. At that moment, the doctor cracked a smile, lifted his foot, revealing the 12th sponge. He smiled at her and said, you'll do just fine because you've passed the integrity test. I wonder how many of us would pass the integrity test. And that's what we're going to talk about today. As you guys turn to Daniel chapter 6, you guys are going to notice three segments in the scripture. Three D's, if you will. The king's decree, Daniel's devotion, and the Lord's deliverance. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6 verse 1. It pleased Darius, the king, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. So what King Darius is trying to do at this point is establish leadership. And you guys understand, Brother Jeremy Greer last week explained really well about what was going on with the Jews being in captivity. Daniel is there as a captive of Judah. Some might even refer to him as a slave. But what is going on in this situation is because of his integrity, he has been appointed even over the locals of the empire, even over those that were relatives of the people in charge. He was going to be placed in charge of them because he had showed so much character. See, King Darius wanted to set up this level of leadership with Daniel being one of the top guys only under Darius himself. Now saying all of this, I want to go ahead and break the mold a little bit for you. When you guys think of Daniel and the lion's den, you might get your picture from those coloring pages you got when you guys were kids. And the coloring pages I got, if we were out of the same book, was it was always some young guy, maybe in his teens, early 20s, maybe early 30s if we're lucky. But here's the thing, Daniel, most scholars agree he was between the age of 90 and 95 between the ages of 90 and 95 years old this guy was not a young man by any stretch of the imagination and here's what I love about that it is easy to be seen as somebody of integrity for a few years But to be in a kingdom, undoubtedly, he had been captured when he was a young child. He probably saw his parents executed in front of him if things worked out like they normally did. And in turn, he's taken into captivity. He's serving his captives. But yet he was able to have this integrity for year after year after year. For 95 years, he is seen as a person of integrity. I've often heard it's easy to be on top of the hill. It's harder to stay on top. You know what I mean by that? It's really hard to maintain integrity with the same people year after year after year. But somehow Daniel does it. Daniel achieves it. That shows some major respect. Can I, can I say something to, to my older folks in here? Listen, we love y'all. We're grateful for y'all. Here's what I want for you guys to understand. You guys need to set the tone in faithfulness. In faithfulness to the Lord. If we look together in verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Because an excellent spirit, we know what that was, was in him. And the king planned to set him over 
the whole kingdom. An excellent spirit was in him. People recognized that there was something different about Daniel. People recognized that there was something special about Daniel that didn't make sense. And for years and years and years of his life, as he became an old man, he was being recognized as somebody that had something different, something unique. But here's what I do believe. I don't believe that Daniel kept it quiet. I don't believe that Daniel was silent about it because people knew who Daniel's gods were. He knew, everybody knew who Daniel served. People knew that Daniel served the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Most High God, Yahweh Elohim. They all recognize that. We can see that throughout this story. Here's why I say that. Because all too often people love to say things like, hey, actions speak louder than words. Or, hey, listen, preach the gospel and use words if needed. Words are always needed. Like, I hate that statement because what it pushes is for people to just be good people. Here's what I want for you guys to understand. Be people of integrity where your actions validate your words. Where your actions validate your words. I want for people to know that I serve the Lord. I want for people to know that Jesus came into my life and changed me. Listen, people can die and go into hell knowing that you are a good person that is moral, that does the right things. But that doesn't mean that they're going to understand how to have that same relationship with Jesus that you have unless you use words. Words are so necessary. They see this great spirit within him, but I believe that spirit also exuded out of him. I believe he talked about his relationship with the Lord. One thing, integrity is rooted in your private life. He was known to pray three times a day, but integrity is reflected in your personal life. It is reflected. It is rooted in your private life, but reflected in your personal life. And let me explain something to you guys. Your walk with Christ is absolutely personal. It is between you and the Lord. But don't get me wrong when I say that this, it might be personal, but it is never private. Your walk with the Lord is never private, nor should it be private. I think it's something that we want to keep to ourselves. I think it's something that we want to be a little quiet about. I think it's something that we just really, you know, we're comfortable people know when we go to church, but we really don't want to talk loud about it. And you know what? We really want to try to finish our prayers when nobody's looking and definitely before the waitress gets there because it just might be weird and awkward. I believe that we're supposed to live a life a little bit more boldly than what we have been. So in verse 4, the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. I'm going to read that again because I totally messed up. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Do you hear that he was found Faithful. I love that. 95 years old, still being seen as faithful. This caused these men to get jealous because Daniel's faithfulness was setting him above the rest. Daniel was standing out. Daniel was not fitting in because he was consistently standing out because of his integrity. See, there, there's an old song, and I love this song. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him or and or. 
Listen, for my older folks in here, hear me today. You guys should be able to sing that song so well because the Lord has proven himself to you or and or over and over and over again and because that is the case because that is true because you have more years under your belt seeing God's faithfulness than my generation I challenge you you should be the leaders in faithfulness you should be the leaders in trust you should be the leaders in faith because you have seen God prove himself or and or my goodness hear me Never, ever, ever do you, should you think that your effectiveness lessened as you get older. I think it actually heightens. I think that the longer that you've been following after Jesus and the more faithful that you have proven yourself, I believe that you become a more effective tool in the hands of our Savior. See, I love, love, love to study woodworking. I'm not really good at it, but man, we got a guy in our church and I love to go to his shop because he has got some incredible tools and to listen to him talk about his tools is one of the coolest things because it's almost like he's got a relationship with each one of them he knows how to work them and he would show me tools that he has had for so many years and it's always fun to get a new tool but it's really cool to have the same tool for years and years and years have you ever seen the way an old man grabs his old hammer have you ever seen an old hammer and you can see the fingerprints almost ingrained, almost like there's dents inside that old tool that they have. And it's almost something beautiful that happens when that old woodsman, that old woodworker grabs a hold of that old hammer or that old chisel because there's been such a relationship formed between the two of them. It is a beautiful thing. Hear me, I believe the older we get, the more we should get used to God using us, but also the more used he gets to using us as well. And I think that you get to know him so much better and it becomes that old tool in the hand of the craftsman that can do so much good work. Never underestimate what God can do with a faithful believer that has been faithful for many years. Listen, Gladstone was prime minister of Great Britain at age 83. Michelangelo did his immortal last judgment at age 89. John Wesley, the great preacher, was still actively preaching many times a day at age 88. Thomas Edison was still actively inventing at age 90. J.C. Penney, the department store magnet, was actively engaged in his business at 95. Our president, President Trump, is 73 years old. And my favorite of all of these is Jimmy Ford is 82 and he can work out, outwork anybody in this whole room. So here's my thing. Don't ever use your age as an excuse to get in the way of you serving faithfully to what God has called you to do. This can work in the same direction for young people as well. But I feel like we talk about young people too much. Let me just go ahead and tell you, don't retire from your faith because you don't want it to retire from you. Integrity is rooted in your private life. It's reflected in your personal life. Daniel could not have any fault in him. Nobody could find a problem with him. So what did they have to do? They had to make something up because there simply was not a flaw in his character. He was faithful in his walk with the Lord. He was faithful in his secular duties that he did, even though he was seen as a slave. He walked around with absolutely no guilt, 
with no frustration. Could you imagine how great that feels to know that you've done nothing wrong? Have you ever known you were in the wrong and you had to walk around with that guilt for a while? Isn't it nice like to get caught? Because eventually, once you get caught and you work through being caught, my goodness, just to get that guilt off your chest feels like a weight is lifted. Church, can I go ahead and tell you, we don't need to put that weight of guilt on us in the first place if we can avoid sin. Daniel did everything he could to stay close to the Lord, to avoid falling into any pit that would have any sort of a hurt in his character, in his integrity. And it was so worked out for him so well. One of my favorite quotes was by Billy Graham, a real Christian is a person who can give his pet parrot to the town gossip. Can I, can I go ahead and take that into the 21st century with you guys today? A person with integrity is a person that can hand your cell phone over to your spouse and not be nervous. A real person of integrity is somebody that could hand over the passwords to all of your email accounts and not be nervous. What about if you could hand over the passwords of all of your social media accounts to your boss and you wouldn't be nervous at all? That is somebody with integrity. I'm watching my youth in the front couple rows get squirmy on me right now. Listen, but here's the truth. A lot of you guys are squirming. You're just hiding it a whole lot better. Listen, I think that is so true. It is so true. Did you know that there's a statistic right now and I believe it was 18% of adults have an extra cell phone that their spouse knows nothing about. My goodness. There is so many things going on that would absolutely embarrass you if they got found out. He was walking above reproach. Just imagine how free he felt, how free we can feel when we walk in integrity. I heard an old story about Native Americans and how they would handle issues of unsolved crime. See, if there was a crime that happened in the village, they would take all of the people together and they would get them all to stand in a circle. And then they would go ahead and they would take a hot coal out of the fire. And they would have all of these young Indians, they'd have them open their mouth and they would press this hot coal on their tongues. And the rule was, the guilty Native American was always the one that screamed. You wanna know how this ended up working? Because when you're guilty, you react. When you're guilty, you get nervous. When you're guilty, your mouth gets dry. And when that hot coal would sit on a wet tongue, no problem. If you didn't have any guilt, if you weren't nervous, you were just fine. But if you were nervous, what would happen? That mouth would dry out. And man, when a hot coal hits a dry tongue, ooh, just listen to those screams. Can I go ahead and tell you to walk around without guilt is the way to go through life. Daniel had what we should all aspire for, unwavering integrity, even though he was in hard circumstances. He had something we can relate to. He was living in a lost culture. He was living in a land where people did not faithfully serve the Lord and people did not respect his faith. Yet he stood firm anyway. Verse five, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel. And I love this. Nothing we can find against him unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Integrity is reinforced in your personal life. 
So how can we be found faithful? How can we have good reputation? Daniel had a reputation that he loved the Lord, but Daniel also had a reputation that he was a praying man. Never underestimate the transformative power of prayer. I believe Daniel was a man of good character because he had a faithful prayer life. I believe that Daniel had a great character because he was committed to praying to the Lord at least three times a day, boldly praying, making it a part of his life where no excuses, he would not back down from it. It was going to happen no matter what because it had priority. Church, I think that a connection with Jesus is ultimately what keeps our character, our integrity reinforced. So what did they do? They go, these satraps, they go to the king, and they, first of all, tell a lie. Verse 6. Then these high officials and the satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, The satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or any man for 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, right here, they lied. Do you catch the lie? Do you catch what they said? See, they say, hey, listen, we talked to all of the leaders. Everyone's in agreement. Everyone's cool with this, which was a lie because they never talked to Daniel. Daniel would have never agreed to it. So what do they do? They manipulate, they lie, but now also they appeal to the king's pride. There's a whole nother sermon I could preach on this. I could preach a series on pride, but let me go ahead and tell you, a prideful person doesn't just hurt themselves. They hurt all the people around them. They hurt the people that they love. They hurt the people that they care about. That's true about any sin. There truly is no sin that only hurts you. It always affects the people you love and the people around you. Even those secret sin that you think nobody knows about is having an effect on people you care about. Don't underestimate the wide effect that sin can have. They appeal to his pride to take down Daniel. And what happens? Verse eight, now, O king, establish an injunction, sign this document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Basically, when they say the Medes and the Persians, that was a way of basically saying that there is no possible way you can take this back. There's no loophole. Nobody can get around this. This has to be done. So what does he do? Verse 9, he signs the document. They said, we want to make you God for the month. There should be no other God but you. Nobody else will be respected. Nobody else will be prayed to. No one else will be worshipped. You and only you. Now, see, if that were to happen in America, we would get angry. Man, if people said that, hey, you guys couldn't live out your faith publicly, my goodness, there would be an uproar. We would get so upset. If there was ever an attack on Christians' rights in America, I guarantee you we would get upset. But here's what's embarrassing. Most of us aren't living out those rights that we currently have in the first place. 
We have more rights than we take advantage of. I could take you to countries all over Asia where you are not allowed to stand up on the street and proclaim the name of Jesus. But we can do that here. We can boldly talk to our coworkers. You can boldly talk to your friends. You can walk up to somebody on the street and start to talk to them about Jesus. That isn't illegal here. It's illegal in other places. But what if one day it was made illegal here? We would get so upset, but we don't even take advantage of the right anyway. Can we just be honest with one another? I think that it's time that American Christians start to take advantage of the freedom we've been given. We love to thank the Lord. We love to pray. and We love to say that, man, praise God that we're in a free country where we can worship God so freely. But we don't. I think that we have the freedom to step it up and to be bolder in our faith than any other country. My goodness, we love to proclaim that, but we never actually do it. We love to thank people that have died to secure our freedom, but we don't take advantage of it. My goodness, church, I feel like God's looking at Americans sometimes, and he's going, do you realize the gift I've given you? Do you realize the gift I've given you? I've given you so much freedom. You can live bolder than this. You're afraid to proclaim my name in a country where nothing bad can happen to you. You're protected by our Constitution. You can boldly proclaim Jesus. But why don't we? My goodness, church, I really think that if we went and we looked at other countries where Christianity was illegal, where you couldn't talk about Christ boldly, and it's still happening, where people are willing to get in jail in order to proclaim Jesus. People are going to jail for owning Bibles and bringing Bibles into foreign countries. My goodness. And yet we're nervous to talk about them to our coworkers, to our friends. I'm just telling you, we need to take advantage of the gift we've been given. If those rights were taken away, most of your lives wouldn't look any different. I think we need to fix that. Daniel was so devoted. When his rights got taken away, he decided to side with the word rather than man. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Culture might change. Times might change. What is popular might change, but our devotion to the Lord should never change because his devotion to us is unwavering. No matter what, Daniel immediately goes back to his house and does what he's always done. He doesn't turn it up. Here's what I love. He's just being himself. He's not doing anything different than what he's always done. All of a sudden, he doesn't turn into a super Christian because those rights were taken away. No, he's just being who he always has been. This is authentically him. He's not trying to stick it to the king. He's not trying to show up, show off. He's just being himself. This is what I've always done. And I will always be faithful to the Lord rather than be faithful to you if I have to choose. Now, somebody might say, wait a minute. Daniel deliberately defied the law of the land which we know in scripture, we are supposed to respect the governing authorities over us. But let me tell you, there's always an exception. And that exception is whenever our government opposes what God's word says, we stand on God's word every single time. I would much rather be in defiance with the government rather than be in defiance of the Lord. And I believe that us as Christians have to Boldly, boldly stand there. I think of Corey Ten Boom. 
who broke the law of Germany when she had, when she hid Jews from the Nazis during World War II. But she would have broken a higher law had she not tried to prevent the murder of those innocent people. My goodness, church, we stand on God's truth no matter what. So integrity, rooted in your private life, it's reflected in your personal life, reinforced in your professional life, and revealed in your public life. Verse 11, these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before God. Can you just imagine how excited they got? Man, they got so excited to see Daniel pray. My goodness, we finally caught him. We finally got that punk doing the one thing that he wasn't supposed to do. Man, if the only thing they could ever find you doing wrong is you being faithful to the Lord, what a compliment. And so they get so excited and they get so pumped to see Daniel praying because Daniel was a real man of prayer. He wouldn't waver. Can I go ahead and tell you the biggest lie that's said in church? In every single church, this is the biggest lie ever said. You ready for it? I'll pray for you. That is the biggest lie that Christians say. We say that all of the time, but the chances are when people say it, man, they don't do it. I'm just saying if people would pray as often as they claim they would, I think that things would look different. I think that things are transformed through the power of prayer. And I think God demands us to pray. And I think when we are committed to prayer, we also become people of integrity. I think often your integrity is flawed by how often you claim to pray for somebody and you don't do it. My goodness, do you see the fallacies there? We need to change that. We need to get better about that. We need to be faithful people of prayer. But hear me. When we boldly pray, the world will attack it. Even if we are people above reproach, even if we're doing nothing wrong, my goodness, we will still have the world attack us. See, you look at the story of Daniel and think, man, attack for praying is something that would only happen in the Old Testament. Have you like read the news over the past year? Because we have this vice president who claims to pray and that prayer is a big part of his life and he owes a lot of his success to his prayer life. But what ended up happening? He became, <laughs> he got attacked for praying. People were calling him crazy. One celebrity wrote this. It's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness, if I'm not correct. Hearing voices. Another claimed, talking about our vice president, that it is scary that we have a man in office that claims to be led by Jesus. Do you recognize that this isn't just an Old Testament problem? Do you recognize when we get out of our little Bible belt in our Texas bubble, how anti-Christ the world truly is? And how anti the gospel and how anti-prayer and how anti-Jesus they really are? We take for granted where we live and we don't recognize how lost the world is. When we pray, the enemy trembles, but also hear me. When we pray, the world will come against. Verse 12, then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, that you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And to paraphrase this, King Darius recognizes, yes, I did. And then they throw the wrench in. They finally throw in what they were hoping for. They shock King Darius. They manipulated him. And at this moment, he recognizes it because they say, Daniel has been praying to his God. 
and going against what you have vowed. Therefore, you have to throw him in to the lion's den. And this breaks the king's heart. But this sets us up. Daniel's integrity sets us up to his deliverance. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you've served continually. Do you see that? Even in his last moments, the king thinking that this might be the very last moment he sees Daniel. He even shows Daniel's integrity once again. The God that you serve continually without ceasing. May he deliver you. Daniel's integrity was seen up to the very final moment because he was a man of prayer. I read about a sign hanging in somebody's house that read, when you're faced with a busy day, save precious time by skipping your prayer time. Signed, Satan. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. See, what happens is the stone was laid on top and for roughly 24 hours for that evening, Daniel was in the lion's den and the king was so upset, so frustrated, so terrified that in verse 19, he comes rushing back to the den. He opened it up to find Daniel doing just fine. And in verse 20, he says, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel's response, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. I love this. See, when he says, I have done no harm, he's not saying no harm has been done to me. He's saying, king, I've done no harm to anybody. I am blameless. I am faultless because I've been a man of integrity. I've been faithful to you. I've been faithful to the Lord to the very end. And because of that, that was his shield. Y'all, when we talk about the armor of God, what's the shield? The shield of faith. His faithfulness to the Lord protected him when things got hard. His faithfulness to the Lord protected him even in the face of the line. He would not let his light for Christ, his light for God, stop shining even though things got hard, even though things were getting dangerous, even though things got scary. See, for Christians, I think the moment that things get scary is the moment that we want to quench our light. It's the moment that we want to hide our light under the bushel. It's the moment that we want to kind of calm it down a little bit. You know what? Maybe we should have, if we were Daniel, maybe we would have been that person that, hey, you know what? We'll still pray, but we'll, we'll just do it in private. We'll just do it in bed. We'll just do it when nobody's looking. Daniel said, I'm not going to cover up the light that's been given to me because I want for everybody around to still see it. I'm going to leave you with this story. In World War II, in the Atlantic Ocean, my goodness, I love this. There was an aircraft carrier, and one evening, late, it's actually middle of the night, the commander of that aircraft carrier sent out six planes on a reconnaissance mission. True story. And these planes go out. Well, the moment the planes go out, the aircraft carrier gets told that they are in great danger for an attack. And so the commander turns out every light of the aircraft carrier, turns out every single light so that they would be safe. When those six recon pilots come back 
from their reconnaissance mission. They cannot find the aircraft carrier. It is too dark. They can see nothing. And so they call the aircraft carrier and they say, could you turn on a light for us to see? And they said, listen, the commander said, we cannot turn on any lights. And they said, listen, you gotta turn on a light because we cannot land the plane. And their response again was, we are not allowed to turn on any light whatsoever. And they said, can you just turn on one light just for a second? Let us see where we're going so we can land. And they refused. All six of those planes crashed and the pilots drowned because they refused to turn on a light, even though that would put them in danger. Can I go ahead and tell you something? Being a light for Christ might put you in danger, but others need to see that light so that they know who to run to. They need to see the light of Christ shining within you. In the moment that things get scary, it's easy to let your integrity fade and aside with the world rather than aside with the Lord. But I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, when things get really rough, when things get dangerous, that's when people need to see the light more than ever. And I just think, man, if that aircraft carrier would have turned on that light and they would have been bold and they would have been willing to risk it, none of those pilots would have drowned in the Atlantic Ocean that year. They would have been able to make it safely to the ship. See, I was told a story after the first service because I told this sermon in the first service. And a vet came to me and he said, do you want to know the backside of this? He said, after that happened, the same incident happened about a year later in the Pacific Ocean. But a man that was on that aircraft carrier that refused to turn on their lights was now the commander of a new aircraft carrier in the Pacific. And when the same problem happened, he said, listen, we will not let our lights be dimmed just because it might put us in danger. And so he put out more lights than ever, but he took advantage of something. He had other planes on the boat and he had them fly up in circle so that if the enemy ever came near, they were ready to defend. And here's what I think we forget about. I think we forget that God is our defender. See, God is called to protect us. And I believe that when we are faithful in serving, He is faithful to protect. And here's my thing. Here's what I want to get through to you guys today. Don't be afraid of what might go wrong when you serve Jesus. I just wish that we would start dreaming about what could go right. And if we boldly shined our light, let's not think about the consequences. Let's think about the reward. Let's think about what God can do. And let's trust him let's have faith that he will protect us lord i think the time for christians to be timid is long gone we have to be bolder than ever exercise the rights that we've been given the freedoms that we've been given to live boldly for jesus and listen the only way this is going to work is if we are absolutely people of integrity in our public life our private life in our personal life. Listen, in a moment, we're gonna offer up this invitation. If you need to talk to us about anything, please don't hesitate. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you. You've been so faithful to us. You've served us. You have loved us. You have sacrificed for us. God, I pray that you will help us to be men and women of integrity, to 
boldly pursue you. Lord, we love you. In your name we